Hello. Wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali and this is today's tech briefing. In today's program, uh, specifically to give you two examples in automotive side, uh, we want to figure out when the obstruction in front of you is let's say, uh, you know, a car or like you know something like that versus a human being because at times of when the car really has to make some tough decisions. Uh, it is really helpful to know if a human life is at stake over there. That's after these headlines. Richard Branson, billionaire owner of the Virgin Group, made a brief flight to space yesterday from a spaceport in New Mexico in a plane built by his company Virgin Galactic. Branson was in a piloted rocket-powered space plane which climbed up to 82,000 feet or 53 miles where the passengers experienced a few minutes of microgravity. before the plane came back to land the space plane called unity was first taken up to about 36000 feet attached to another aircraft at that height it detached and made its rocket powered flight guests at the spaceport who witnessed the flight included elon musk the founder of spacex branson's flight comes 9 days ahead of a planned space flight by jeff bezos the founder of amazon ola India's largest ride-hailing services company has raised 500 million dollars in an investment from Singapore's Temasek Plumwood Investment, an affiliate of Warburg Pincus, a private equity fund, and Ola's founder Bhavish Agarwal. The investment is being made ahead of Ola's IPO, the company said. This is amongst the largest investments in the Indian consumer internet space by these funds, according to a press release from Ola. The company didn't provide any details. Ola was valued at under $5 billion in its previous financing round, according to TechCrunch. Agarwal is also building Ola Electric, an electric scooters company. Paytm, India's biggest digital payments company, has seen some senior-level exits ahead of its IPO, Economic Times reports. Amit Nair, a president at Paytm, has quit, and Rohit Thakur, chief HR officer, has also put in his papers, the paper reported. Founder Vijay Shekhar Sharma is preparing to take his company 197 Communications, Paytm's parent company, public later this year, seeking a valuation of as much as $30 billion. Smaller rival MobiQuick is also preparing to list itself and is soon expected to file its prospectus for the share sale, according to ET. High-tech startups are gradually surfacing in India, developing sophisticated hardware for global customers. The founders of these companies often have deep expertise after having worked in some of the world's best-known technology companies. Steradian's Semiconductors is one such startup in Bangalore where a group of former Texas Instruments engineers are building world-class 4D imaging radars. I spoke to Ashish Lachwani, one of the founders, about their technologies and plans ahead. Here's more from that conversation. Ashish, uh, welcome to this podcast. Uh, thank you for making time for this. Uh, to start with, um, tell us a bit about uh, all of you founders uh, at Steradian. Uh, how did you come to start this company? What were you looking to tackle? Sure. Thanks, Hari. First of all, uh, making time out today to uh, you know talk to me and uh, of course uh, uh, expressing interest in the vision at Steradian as well. Uh, so just to give you some background. uh we, we are a company into semiconductor space uh, primarily working on products uh, at very high frequency specifically 
something called imaging radars so this technology is used in uh, autonomous vehicles and uh, you know uh, many other applications which i'll talk about down the line as a company we are uh, five and a half years old uh, started off by uh, four of my co-founders and i and uh, we go back working with each other together more than uh, you know 18 20 years uh, you can imagine the era of uh, early 2000 we were all part of uh, mncs like ti uh, and several others and uh, specializing uh, primarily in domains of rf semiconductors and systems mm. so that's what uh, we have been doing so you can imagine technologies like bluetooth wi-fi fm gps nfc handheld mobile uh, TVs and so on. So this is just, just the early advent of mobile phones, automotive infotainments, where you know people were talking about a lot of these technologies, but uh, you know the, the the background work on the semiconductor side, the system was you know uh, still in the labs, R and D's, and still going on. So that's where uh, you know the five of us uh, pretty much met in these uh, MNC companies. We were part of these groups who were working on these uh, technologies, bringing them to you know, uh, doing the R&D, bringing them to production, and uh, spent almost uh, a good 13 years there. Uh, pretty much the same period overlapping for all of us from that early 2000 till at least 2012, uh, where we brought out many of these product lines uh, commercially out. Uh, so, you know, they would be supplied to your typical OEMs or so who would take these uh, chipsets and uh, build products for them. Right, which go into consumer electronic markets as well. Tell us a bit more about uh, the technologies that you're now developing at Steradian. Right. So beyond, I mean, you know, working on these uh, mobile connectivity solutions for a good, uh, you know, 16, 17 years, we realized that the whole technology in these aspects of uh, these applications, rather of uh, uh, mobile phones or automotive infotainment, infotainment was pretty much going to like a commercial level, right? What that means is a challenge for an uh, as an engineer were kind of looking you know in a repetitive fashion and that's where uh, you know uh, we were looking out for more challenging avenues and automotive came out as something where you know you can imagine 2015 all of us saw those uh, ads of uh, you know fully autonomous self-driving vehicles being talked about by google teslas and everyone right and trying to look in that space and realize you know what was really enabling those things were the electronics behind it, the sensors which were making things happen, the cameras, the radars, lidars, and in particular radar, uh, given our backgrounds where we come from, uh, high-frequency RF wireless systems, uh, it picked our interest, right? So it's a technology which was, uh, you know, waiting for that innovation to happen so that some of these things can uh, really become uh, viable today, right? Can I mean, if you open any of the boot trunks of these. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the higher level autonomy cars today, they are filled with like complete electronics. It's a million dollar electronics running in those cars. So of course they are not at that level where they can uh, be dished out to customer who can like, you know, buy an aesthetically good looking piece of uh, car and uh, doesn't have to care about what's really going behind as an electronics in the car. So some of these technology basically enables those kind of systems. And uh, you, you are building uh, radar imaging uh, systems and I've also read that you uh, you're building what are called 4d radars can you explain what that means right so uh, just to give you some background on the kind of uh, system so you can imagine i mean if a human uh, you know has to be replaced from a car 
with these electronics uh, all these sensory capabilities of a human have to be emulated by electronics right so uh, when a human drives a car uh, we are uh, of course looking at the traffic through our eyes uh, sending all that information to the brain which takes you know the decision part of it as to what should the vehicle be doing should i i mean do i want to brake do i want to accelerate do i want to just change the lane right uh, we are taking many 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 decisions when we are driving on the road so imagine the eye part of it getting replaced by some of these sensors right so essentially what we want is uh, the electronics should be able to build a real time reconstruction of the world around you right so the conventional radars which are being used today even today i mean as a technology by the way radar is like you know world war 2 technology of course being used in um you know different sectors it has been used in multiple places where the principle being simple uh, you know it, it comes from uh, nature uh, you know bats and many other uh, dolphins they have the capability to send out uh, you know electromagnetic waves which gets reflected from different objects and uh, these animals can send them back and you know take a call if there is an obstruction in their path so the fundamental principle of echolocation it got used in world war 2 onwards and Uh, you know automotive of course embraced them almost 20 years back uh, but for you know m- like very small kind of applications like only let's say uh, cruise controls or lane changes or lane keepings and so on but if you want to go to that higher level of autonomy you are looking at the capability to do that real time reconstruction of the world around you so the sensor has to evolve from that very basic detection only uh, sensor to something which can do this imaging around it so that imaging or the 4d refers to the capability of a reconstruction in first of all the three dimensions the spatial dimensions x y z and the fourth dimension being the velocity so i should be able to let's say there is a vehicle in front of me i should be able to gauge uh, the width height of that vehicle i should be able to find out its velocity so that i know i mean i can pass that information to what emulates in this electronic the brain part right and that can take a decision if there's time to collision or if there is like you know any threat from that uh, uh, vehicle which is in front of you so that's what essentially encompasses that 4d imaging radar hmm. and uh, when did you uh, launch your first uh, sort of flagship commercial product what is it called right so the flagship product uh, as a company by the way we are uh, primarily dealing in uh, two verticals one is of course the semiconductor side <clears throat> the electronic chips which does these uh, sensory part uh, has all the you know um, uh, multiple channels to exactly figure out get this high resolution out of what we the you know the world around us is uh, to be able to feed that information back to the uh, what we call as ecu or the electronic control units into these vehicles uh, that part is forming the semiconductor offering from steradian today the second part of our offering is uh, essentially the the software which uh, works alongside this semiconductor to be able to decode all this uh, electronic signals which the semiconductor gives out and be able to give more meaningful information so that information uh, i mean you know in a layman term can uh, if you're familiar with uh, you know something called point cloud that's uh, probably you can imagine it like if you have seen uh, one of the later uh, parts of a spiderman movie right there's like uh, one of the characters called a sandman which gets built with all the sand particles right mm-hmm. so you know you you probably cannot identify the human behind this one but you can identify the form factor shape of that human with those sand particles so imagine a similar kind of uh, you know output coming from these sensors which is called as point cloud 
which is the ensemble of points which is building a body to give it shape size you know depth all the information coming out so that software essentially provides that side of thing put these two together the semiconductor and this uh, software and you get all that information what you require to be fed into uh, the electronic uh, you know the electronic units uh, in the car which is taking all these main decisions for the car so this offering uh, came out for us uh, after the uh, good uh, period of r&d of 3 years so <clears throat> the flagship products uh, first generation was pitched out in 2018 we put out a demo videos and uh, got in touch with multiple tier 1 suppliers in the eco chain and uh, the oem specifically right the car manufacturers who showed lot of interest that if this thing can be taken to production uh, it's of heavy interest to them because of the growing interest on this higher level of autonomy for the car uh, on the semiconductor side of it uh, the hardware do you design the chips yourself and have them manufactured through your partners or do you use uh, off the shelf chips and uh, design uh, some kind of system software for it how does that work so as a uh, you know as a company uh, you know one of the usps we have is being vertically integrated all the way from antenna to semiconductor to software all these things are done in house at ceridian today uh, on this semiconductor specifically we are designing the chipset in uh, one of the latest technologies from tsmc 28 nanometer of course for fabrication and as you know uh, we do not have a fab uh, in india available today and the entire world relies on uh, tsmc pretty much uh, 60% uh, uh, you know an upward kind of a fabrication happens in uh, tsmc so we work with uh, you know uh, multiple players who have the capability to take these things in production in volume so that also forms our uh, customer base and with them we go to tsmc get them fabricated and then market it under like a strategic relationship with these players one of the relationships which we have gone uh, you know out in public as well and talked about it is with renesa so renesa is a is a tier 1 uh, japanese company uh, has multiple this ones uh, of offices spread across europe us uh, and india as well so we work with uh, them to uh, tackle the uh, end production of the semiconductor cycle but primarily radian owns all the intellectual property behind it and uh, you know remains as the technology provider to uh, these players hmm. and today uh, do you have uh, uh, commercial customers are you in pilots what is the stage at which you are, at which you are yeah so uh, that's the interesting part that you know of course the uh, rds on semiconductor and the gestation cycles are pretty long uh, since we are into product space and uh, we we are not into any services or ip model as a product company it takes uh, you know multi years of r&d to go behind it uh, so we are cutting across that phase now uh, one of the products uh, specifically one of the markets probably i should also talk about is is the industrial offering so apart from the automotive these solutions uh, get heavily used in industrial just to give you three examples uh, traffic monitoring solution right so on the highways uh, the radar has the or specifically the imaging radar have the ability to identify you know two wheelers or even like you know bigger trucks side by side isolate them in any uh, you know close proximity they might be flying on the road and identify individually each of their speeds right and for enforcement purpose we define the speed limits on any lane and let the camera know if there is any violation happening and then the camera can take like a picture of the number plate and generate a ticket for that vehicle with a speed proof right 
So these systems are very popular in Europe and China, and uh, starting to get into that, uh, you know, whole government schemes of uh, deploying them on the highways and so on. Or imagine a simple curb on the, you know, ghat section of a country, where uh, uh, you know it's uh, very essential to let the other side know that a vehicle is coming on, so radar can identify that and uh, you know put a beeper or so. Very simple technology, right? So these kind of things in the traffic enforcement and this side. So as a company today, we are in the process of uh, procuring the FCC and CE certification for the whole box. And proud to say that that's an offering uh, which is being dished out for the uh, Indian market, right? Because primarily you can imagine the automotive side of it, uh, our customer base is mainly US and uh, Europe. But for uh, this particular segment, traffic monitoring is an uh, you know, Indian customer whom we are working with, multiple of them and trying to equip them with this technology. Right? So that's for the industrial market, uh, one example. There's another market called VDGS, or uh, you know, Visual Docking Guidance System, where the uh, larger structures like airplanes or so on uh, you know, airports uh, have to be parked at like a centimeter precision. Right? So in such markets, uh, radar plays that sensor role of being an all-weather uh, capable sensor and providing that precision for these larger structures to be parked at such accuracy. So they basically help you to decongest the airport quickly, uh, given the kind of traffic airports have to handle nowadays. Right. So in these markets, one of the uh, higher uh, you know grades of uh, radar sensor because you have to go to that uh, centimeter precision is being used. So in that market, we are working with a tier one uh, global supplier. And uh, we, we are doing POCs with them. Stage two trials are ongoing on airports, and we should go into production by the end of this. Hmm. Automotive specifically, uh, we are getting into the production with the customers I talked about earlier by uh, middle of next year. So that's when the high volume production picks up. As a company, we are into revenue phase and uh, you know growing uh, large from the last year, March, uh, when we had almost uh, uh, 20 employees on board with a couple of consultants. Today we are a 50 people company mm. with uh, you know 25 employees and uh, equal number of consultants on board. Uh, are you allowed to talk about uh, any specific customers, any names that you can give in terms of important automakers who are using your technologies? Uh, so unfortunately, the auto side, I mean, you know, works in a very uh, you know closed uh, circles to talk about the customer names exactly. But I did talk about uh, Renaissance who uh, is taking the semiconductor to these uh, many tier ones OEM. Today we are working in close collaboration with a tier one automotive supplier as well, who take these, uh, you know, the semiconductor and puts their own software or takes the software from us and, you know, build those end boxes, which go to the OEM. Also, we are into several POCs with uh, robo-taxi players in Bay Area and based out of Europe, right? Mm. One of the largest uh, uh, vision-based player, uh, Basically, the companies who will have competency in camera would want to pair up with their system these radar units. We are working with them to build an entire stack of a product which will, uh, you know, go out in these higher level of autonomy. So today there is this uh, idea that uh, with uh, connectivity uh, and increased autonomy of vehicles, there's going to be a lot of uh, machine learning and uh, AI uh, built into it. Can you uh, tell us about what is happening in these areas and what you are doing in your company as well? Right. So uh, interestingly, I mean, you know, the same question three years back and I wouldn't have thought about it much given that, you know, for radar, it's not possible today to separate out between, let's say, a 
a Ford car and a GM car because radar works on principles of uh, you know how much reflections are coming out of. So you can probably uh, chalk out a bigger vehicle from a smaller vehicle, right? So, but today we are coming to a point where multiple applications are forcing us to uh, you know rethink this uh, kind of usage and uh, how the technology can help over there. Uh, specifically, to give you two examples in automotive side. Uh, we want to figure out when the obstruction in front of you is, let's say, uh, you know, a car or like, you know, something like that versus a human being. Because at times of when the car really has to make some tough decisions, uh, it is really helpful to know if a human life is at stake over there, right? So that's one application where a human versus a non-human has to be distinguished out. On the industrial segment, imagine the traffic monitoring solution. Uh, very simple, this one, that when you have different lanes for different vehicles, uh, imagine a bus has a different lane, the, uh, uh, you know, autobahns in Germany where there's like hardly a speed limit vehicles go even at 250-300 kilometers per hour, right? Mm. Different lanes for different vehicles. So now the radar also needs to distinguish if it's a two-wheeler or it's a smaller four-wheeler or it's like a bus truck and so on, right? So the AIML specifically comes to your help over there that based on these radar signatures, the signals which you are receiving on your end, you can decipher them in a much better way. You can make sense of them, uh, you know, to distinguish these different classes of uh, vehicles or see what the radar is seeing. Another interesting application which relates more to the consumer electronics, uh, radar has been used in uh, for gesture, applica uh, gesture recognition applications as well. So if, if you're aware of a product called uh, Google Pixel 4, uh, it uses uh, the radar sensor in the front panel to identify your finger movements, right? So, uh, you know, things like that can make use of uh, AIML to train your system to understand better your hand movements, right? So with your finger movements, now you can increase the volumes or, you know, switch off the panel or swipe and so on. So imagine gadgets like your wristwatch or so where there is hardly any uh, screen area, right? So you would want your finger gestures to control things like that. Mm. So so this this is the you know these are the applications which are pushing uh, radar plus uh, AIML sort of boundaries. Hmm. So in in terms of practical applications, uh, what is possible today in terms of uh, AI in autonomous vehicles? So with the use of uh, AI in particular in autonomous vehicles, uh, just to start with a simple this one as I talked about that identifying uh, human versus. Uh, you know, uh, a vehicle, the sort of decision which the vehicle will make uh, will change. Uh, take it a level forward where you are able also to distinguish between the type of vehicles you are seeing. Uh, you are able to distinguish the, the side railings versus a bridge and so on, right? So, or vehicles under the bridge kind of scenarios. So, your decision-making capability starts improving with these things. And given certain limitations with these sensors as compared to something like camera, right? So camera, of course, has much better, uh, you know, uh, uh, application because the world around us is built for optical, right? So there is red light, green light, there is a left turn, right turn. All these things, unfortunately, cannot be done by radar alone, right? So we are not out there to replace camera. Cameras do have their place. The world around us is optical. However, uh, the limitations of camera, they cannot see beyond certain distance. They cannot identify the uh, speeds uh, to that accuracy. They are not able to cut across all these weather conditions. That's where the radar and specifically imaging radar comes in. And you throw in all these, uh, I mean, you know, multiple technologies of AI ML alongside, the training becomes much better. And uh, the radar is now not just a warning-based system, 
but something which is providing information to you, right? And that information is much, much useful when you're on the road out, uh, you know, uh, and taking calls at every fraction of a second as to how the vehicle should navigate. Excellent. Uh, very interesting conversation, uh, Ashish. Uh, thank you again for making time for this. And I always like to say, uh, we'd like to keep the conversation going. Sure. Thank you, Harry. Thank you so much for your time as well. And, uh, you know, um, uh, giving us this opportunity to talk to uh, your audiences as well. That was Ashish Lachwani. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.